The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Game Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet365. Bet365 is offering new users a $1,000 risk-free bet. Sign up today at sportsgamepodcast.com slash bet365. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. And welcome, everybody, to the NBA Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Game Podcast Network. It is currently Friday morning, November 24th, and I'm going to be your host for the episode, Scott Reichel, joined by Delonte. We haven't seen Delonte in a while. Welcome back, Delonte. Nice to see you. Hopefully you had a nice holiday. Uh, but we were originally going to have a three-man weave on this show. Unfortunately, Terrell's Wi-Fi gave out on him again. Rest in peace. So Terrell is going to be trying to get that fixed. We'll see what happens. But either way, Lante and I are going to do the 10 games for the in-season tournament on Friday. Delonte, long time no see. How's it going? Happy holidays. Yeah, man. Happy holidays. Hope you and your family had a good holiday, just like everybody else. Um, yeah, man. Pretty feels good to be back up here. Um Get into some games, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, hopefully, I can knock some rust off. It's, it's been a while. Yeah, well, I'm sure we're going to do f- just fine. Uh, it is one of the final games of the group stages for the uh, in-season tournament. Just to ask for your thoughts initially, any thoughts on the actual tournament? Are you a fan? Are you against it? Do you think it's been better than you thought it was going to be? Um, honestly, I didn't have any expectations of it, to be honest. I just thought that it would be something cool for you know the players and like player feedback has been a lot more positive than what I would think. Um, you can hear people like Darvaham was saying that um, that his guys like love money, obviously just like any of us, but um, he was just saying they were really dialed in the games. I don't know if it's just because of the matchups, but they have been more competitive than, you know, a regular Tuesday night game to me. Um, now, whether that has, whether that's coincidence or it has something to do with the actual um, prize at the end, but I've been enjoying it. I mean, it's, it's high level basketball. I mean, I've been enjoying the NBA as a whole, Anyway, but uh, overall, I think it's great. Um, I think the guys are playing just a tad bit harder. Um, and I think the matchups are, are great. So, yeah, I, I'm really a fan of it. Um, I wasn't like too pro or con. I mean, I wasn't too for or against it. But, um, yeah, I like it. I, I think it's I think it's great for the, for the, for the league. Yeah, for me, I was fully anti initially because not the concept. I understand the argument of you want teams to actually care about regular season games more but you have seen some teams not use their best player because of injury in this event in general. So it has been, I don't want to say fully effective in that aspect, but I do want to point out in the actual tournament that it does seem like each team cares a bit more. And I guess that was the entire purpose of creating this tournament in the first place. So it doesn't fully bother me there. I still think that there needs to be a bigger prize pool for the winning team. I don't think $500,000 is going to do it for a lot of, uh, rosters that have players making 30, 40 or more million dollars on the team. So I do think that $500,000 is good for the two-way guys or for, you know, the coaching staff that might, you know, potentially just assistant coaches trying to make money, stuff like that. But I do think there needs to be a slight boost to the prize pool, in my opinion. But conceptually, for a first-year trial run, I think it's fine. Right. They got to fix the courts, though. Yeah, you don't like the are a little bit too much for me. There's too many neon colors and it's a little bit <laughs> overboard. But I do think as a whole, it's been a solid experiment. Let's put it that way. 
Yeah, I think I think that's what most people uh, have the the court. So I mean, I don't I don't mind. I mean, I don't I don't really care to be honest with you as long as it's basketball being played. But I can get where you're coming from. It's just not really good on the eyes. So yeah, I I get, I get where you're coming from. But yeah, maybe they should like add a draft pick or something like a late draft pick or or something just something else to incentivize the team. But I mean, you know, like you said, it's the first year. Um, I'm pretty sure they're gonna get creative with it next year. Um, and, and so forth and so on. So yeah, only the first year. I think it's I think it's great actually. Yeah, it's a work in progress. So far, so good. But either way, hopefully the ten games tonight end up living up to some of the hype. So starting off with the first game we're going to talk about, we have a matchup between the Celtics and the Magic. For this one, the Celtics are laying basically five and a half, and the over under is around two twenty two and a half. For the injury report, both teams are relatively healthy, with the exception of the Celtics potentially missing Drew Holiday, who is doubtful for the game tonight. You have Wendell Carter, who's out for Orlando. He's been out for a while, and Fultz is still out. He's been out for a while. Orlando's been quietly surging lately, and the Celtics are off of a nice win against Milwaukee. Almost choked a 20-point lead. We're not going to talk about it because they won the game anyway. But to ask you, Boston's laying five and a half against one of the hotter teams in the league. What's your thoughts on this matchup, and do you think that the Magic can sustain this level of success moving forward? Um, this level of success, no. Um, but can they be still, you know, pretty good ATS? I think right now they're eight and two ATS, um, six and one at home. Um, they just, I don't know, man. I, my, I haven't been able to catch up to this rating, like full disclosure. Like I, I've been getting smacked on, on magic games, um, for obvious reasons. I, I've just been first going half, to get first them. half spreads, man. Yeah, I mean, it's just that they just find ways to win, man. They'll get down and you know they'll they'll fight back, they'll fight and claw back, or they'll be up and then they'll let a team back in it and they'll end up winning. Uh, I thought the Denver win was really really good, mm-hmm. uh, and actually I was I was on Denver in that game, but um, matchup wise, I think they match up pretty well with Boston. Um, Boston hasn't been you know too much of a freight train on the road two five two five and two ATS on the road. Um, they haven't covered in four games straight. Uh, this is pretty much the same number. I, I think it actually opened four, if I'm not mistaken, opened four, and then it, uh, some money came in, and that was basically the same um, number as as Denver was laying. So a little bit of money came in on Boston. I, I kind of agree with it. Um, it's just that I don't really know how I, I don't really know how to grade Orlando. To be honest, I mean they're, for instance, they don't have a rim protector. Uh, Window Carter is probably their best rim protector. Would you agree? Uh yeah, one healthy and even one yeah. Lucardi can argue is not the greatest rim protector for right. Center. And who who else is next up on the list? Do you think like but they have uh, Batadzi? I mean, they don't have enough like centers. Right, and and and, and then right. like Mo yeah. Wagner or or whoever, but he's not really they're, they're not really rim yeah. protectors. Uh, but they're but somehow somehow some way they are top. They're the best team uh, defending the rim. Um, they're first in turnover percentage defense. They they turn teams over. Um, uh, they get to the line first in free throw rate. So. I mean, it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough for Boston to kind of get to the rim at ease with Tatum and Brown um, and finish because of the defense that they have. Uh, Orlando's actually third in defensive rating overall. Um, and I mean, Boston's second, so it's not really a big uh, a big edge there. But I think we'll see a low-scoring defensive game. I'm leaning to the under. Uh, if I had to make a play, I'd lean to Boston. But, you know, my, my kind of my struggles against Orlando is kind of holding me off it. Yeah, for me, I think I'm going to lean to Orlando. They've just been very good so far yeah, ATS, and they've been very undervalued by the markets. I p- kind of pulled the 180 on Orlando during the offseason. I was anti, and then I was pro, and I actually picked them to potentially win the division at a pretty decent price. And I'm not exactly shocked that they have kind of pieced some stuff together. 
they're still a really bad closing team in the fourth yeah. quarter. They are really bad in the fourth quarter, which is a problem. But Boston recently has been a mess in the fourth quarter, too. So I'm not sure if that's going to matter. I'm going to take the points. Orlando has matched up decently against Boston in yeah. years past. And I do think that in this case, it is a good spot for them to you know show a solid effort against one of the better teams in the league. So for me, I'm going to go with the Magic plus the five and a half. I think they're going to be in line to put together a good performance at home. I'm not sure if they're going to win, but I do think getting a team in this good form, getting five and a half, that's a pretty large number. I'll take the Magic at home personally. I think I'm going to lean to the over in this game, though. Boston's main issue so far with this team is kind of twofold because Tatum's been very good and Porzingis has been very good. The issue offensively has been Jalen Brown fitting in and Drew Holiday not being able to hit a jump shot. And that's really been the main issue for this team. And Holiday might not play. And you could argue that even though Holiday's a very good defensive player, offensively, he's been basically, I don't want to say a zero, but recently he's been close to a zero. So I think that Boston offensively might actually look a little bit better in the short term without Holiday in the lineup, and their defense should look worse. So I actually like the over, assuming that Drew Holiday doesn't play. Any thoughts on the total? Yeah, I'd lean to the under. Um, this is before Holiday. I mean, he's on. He's actually their best. Um, obviously, the best on-ball defender. Uh, Jalen Brown's kind of regressed defensively, um, but I, I kind of do. I, I can see where you're going with with the with the over because Orlando's going to get to the line. Uh, my thing is they haven't faced two dynamic wings like this all year. If I'm not mistaken, I don't know the schedule off the top of my head, but I can remember them not facing a lot of wings. I mean. Um, I think KCP, Michael Porter Jr. had a little bit of success in that game, but um, the type of wings that Tatum and Brown are, uh, they they haven't faced. So I'm interested to see how they deal with that um, at home. They also can't defend a three, 20, uh, 25th and three-point defense. Um, so if Boston can get hot, Derek White from behind the line, uh, Sam Hauser. Uh, oh, was it Sam or Joey? Joey Hauser. Sam. One of them. Uh, one of the, the Hauser brothers. Yeah. Sam's um, the yeah. better one. Joey's the one who was in Michigan State who I never thought was very good. Okay, cool. Yeah. So yeah. So um yeah, if they can get it going behind from from three, um I, I think they can I think they can get there. Uh Boston is seventh in rim percentage offense. And like I mentioned, Orlando first in rim percentage defense. So that kind of balance it out. Uh Boston doesn't have rim protection either. So if Orlando can get downhill, I think they'll be able to score, get to the line. Um but yeah, I'm leaning to the under. I just think it'll be a, a low scoring game, although I am worried about Boston's defense without Holiday in. Yep. So moving on to the next game, a reminder, by the way, if you were not aware that Celtics Magic game starts at 2.30 in the yeah. afternoon. Yeah. So if you were trying to bet it, that is an afternoon game. So keep that in mind. Moving on, though, to the next game, you have the Suns taking on the Grizzlies. The Suns are about minus eight, and the over-under is at 2.22. Look at the injury report. Decent amount of names here, mostly for Memphis. So the Suns are still without Beal. Eubanks is not going to play. Damian Lee and Watanabe are out. As for Memphis, it's a long list of players who we already knew about <laughs> because Brandon Clark is out, Kennard is out, Laravia is out, Jaws still out, Marcus Smart is still out, and Xavier Tillman is still out. But there was another name added to the injury report as Desmond Bain is a game-time decision with a left foot strain. Uh, sprain. So that's why you are looking at the Suns being a an eight-point favorite. This game's taking place at 5 o'clock. Phoenix have been playing better lately. We saw them beat the Warriors over the last couple of days. Then again, they were handed a free win when Scott Foster was given the game assignment, so that was a free win for them as Chris Paul got ejected in the second quarter. Shout out to that rivalry. That's one of the, one of the best rivalries we got left in the NBA. But I do want to point out the Suns so far this season being 
okay against bad teams, ATS. They haven't been amazing. They are 9-6 and six this season, though. They have been in good form lately, and the Suns have actually won five straight games. I'm going to ask you straightforward. Memphis is 0-6 at home straight up. The Suns have not been good at covering the spread, but still, Memphis is so shorthanded, and Bain's not going to play. I'm assuming you're just going to take Phoenix? Yeah, it's, it's Phoenix or nothing here for me. Um, I, I thought I thought the the line overnight was short. I didn't, but this was before the the um the Bane injury. I think it was five and a half, five five and a half. But yeah, I mean Memphis is a team I was, I was completely wrong about. I mean they are horrible right now. Um, they just don't have enough bodies to be honest, and they still won't bring Gigi up. At least Gigi can you know play offense. He's not very good defensively, but at least he can he can score. Uh, so that's kind of odd that they haven't brought him up and, and played him yet, but. Yeah, only way I can look at it is Phoenix. I mean, you mentioned it. Phoenix, they've won seven of the last ten, five in a row. Uh, they're 4-3 ATS on the road. Uh, offense is looking good, 120-plus in five straight games. Um, they, I, I might look at their team total to go over with all these injuries um, for Memphis. Eight of the last ten games have went over 11-15 um, overall this season. Uh, they go to the free throw line at a high rate, uh, second in, in free throw rate offense. Memphis is bottom five in free throw rate defense, so they foul a lot. Um Second in three-point percentage offense for Phoenix. Um, their weakness is the rim, 28th in rim percentage defense. But, I mean, Memphis doesn't have anybody that, that goes to the rim. So, yeah, man, it's, it's pretty straightforward for me. Uh, I would look at Phoenix team total. Uh, I, I would lean to them laying the points. I mean, it is still a, a big number um, for Phoenix to be laying on the road. Maybe they just come out and, you know, not as as, as sharp as they usually are. So I'll lean with the, with the Phoenix Suns here, but I like the team total over. Yeah, I think we're on the same page here. I can't take Memphis here. They're bad in general. They're 0-6 at home. But you're looking at the projected starting lineup. Bain might not play, so keep that in mind. But it's Gilliard, Bain, Aldama, Jaron Jackson, and Bismack Biombo. I'll pass. I'll take Kevin Durant (laughs) and Devin Booker. No offense. But I think the Suns are going to win this game comfortably. They had a nice win once again against Golden State. They beat Portland by a bunch, which I think they pushed the spread there. But I do think Memphis, after losing by 20 on the road to Houston, they're just not a good basketball team. Not their fault. You had Jaga getting suspended for about uh, a third of the season. Uh, you have Adams, who's out for the year, and we know that he was a big boost to that team last year. And a big reason why Memphis kind of fell apart midway through last year was Adams getting injured, and that was yep. a big piece. So yep. I want nothing to do with the Grizzlies. This team stinks. I'll go with the Suns minus the eight. I don't really have much more to add there. I do think Durant assist, though, is worth a look for a player prop uh, because Durant's been very, very good at facilitating lately. His number's at four and a half. Just to read off the last couple of games for Durant facilitating, he's gone over in four of the last five. He's gone over in seven of the last nine. I think Durant's assist is worth a look. Yeah, I've been playing his uh, his rebounds and assists prop along with Booker as long as Beal's out because they're more than likely going to be the two facilitators uh, on the court, like you mentioned. So I don't hate that. I would look at Devin Booker as well. Uh, if you look at some of his, if you look at his game log, his rebounds and assists have been like flying over the total. I think he had, uh, well, this was before he had got hurt the game before um, kind of, he got kind of banged up and didn't play. So he was stuck on like four and five, but outside of that, I think he'd been playing extremely well rebounding the ball um, for a guard and pass and facilitating passing the ball. So I would look at both of those. Yeah. 
Uh, moving on to the next game, a reminder that game's at 5 o'clock, so not a normal start time there. Uh, moving on to the next game, we're going to talk about the Bulls and the Raptors in a game that I'm sure only gamblers are interested in because I'm not really <laughs> interested in either team. But anyway, to look at the actual injury report for these teams, the Bulls might be without Zach Levine. It was a game-time decision. Mentally, Levine hasn't been there in about two weeks. So I'm not sure if that matters. And Toronto might be without Achua and Thaddeus Young. Coloco's out, but for the most part, this team has a relatively healthy roster. The Bulls have been a disaster, simply put, as the Bulls currently have a pretty poor record of 5-11. and Toronto has been what we thought they were going to be, which is a borderline 500 team, slightly below average. They're 7-8. and I'm on the Raptors, simply put. I don't think that Chicago is any good. I think Toronto at home does have a decent home court, but it's mostly talent for me. DeRozan's not the guy he used to be. Still fine. Levine, once again, has mentally been AWOL for a couple of weeks, but he might not play in general. Is there anything you actually like about the Bulls in this game? Um, well, uh, not really, but I, I like Kobe White's threes made and, and his points. Um, if, we skip, if we could skip straight to there. So I think that's about the only thing. Uh, he's at back-to-back 20-point-plus games. If you look at him, he's been playing extremely well in the more the more they're letting him handle the ball. And um, whenever they put DeMar as the main distributor, like in the middle, like at the nail spot, um, Kobe off the um, off player screens has been really good. I mean, he's 50% from three in his last three games, averaging five makes per. Um, he has 17 in the first meeting. So if you look at his threes made and his points, I think he can go over, especially if Levine um, is out. Uh, I know it's kind of hard to project right now, and we're doing this, and he's still kind of up in the air. But if yeah, man, like you, play, by the way, I'm taking the under on Levine. Levine's looked yeah, disinterested yeah. for a couple weeks yeah. at this point. Yeah, and um, they they actually shut him down in the first game. Uh, he had he only had eight points. Uh, Demar had 33. Uh, I, I like the under. Also, the game went. Uh, the game had 207 points, including overtime. Uh, so I like yeah. the under there. Uh, the Bulls, man, they failed to score over 105 points in five straight. They're 26th in offensive rating. Uh, they're 29th in pace. So they're they're walking the ball up. Toronto, I mean, to uh, to be honest with you, Toronto's probably uh, okay. So I think they're about. I think they have a little bit more talent than the Bulls. Um, obviously with Barnes, Siakam, they do. Yeah. So I think they're, but they're the same team. Like, mm-hmm. and that, I don't know if that's a reflection of how bad the Bulls are or if Toronto's just underachieving. Uh, as a whole, I think it might be a mixture of both. But I mean, they're five hundred straight up in ATS. That's as mediocre as it gets. It's just five hundred straight up in ATS. Um, some of the games that they've won, they probably shouldn't have. Indiana blew it. Um, the last game was a very fun game, but they blew the game. Um, Barnes was real good in the first matchup, twenty-two, ten, and ten. Um, I want to say Siakam had twenty-one. Uh, Schroeder had ten and ten. So yeah, man, I, I think we see a low-scoring game. Uh, a lot of walking the ball up. A lot of missing. Uh, hopefully not by Kobe White, but yeah, I think I, I lean to the under here. Actually, I like the under here, uh, but I'm with you on Toronto. I, I can't play the Bulls right now. Yeah, uh, but I like the under as well. You hit the nail on the head there with the first meeting being an absolute rock fight. I don't see that changing. I think if you want to talk about some prop markets, Billy Donovan, first coach fired, is probably your leader in the clubhouse. I'm not sure how much longer he's going to last. I still can't believe the Bulls have the three ma- the three guys together with Levine, DeRozan, and Vucevic. I still can't believe they're together. But anyway, that's their problem, not mine. Uh, so I have nothing more to add. I'm going to link to Toronto and the under in this game. But before we get into the next game, do want to quickly tell you about our sponsor. We're going to talk about Bet365 because we're brought to you by them. And Bet365 is the world's favorite sports book, trusted by over 88 million players worldwide. 
That's a lot of players. Just saying. Uh, Prop sides, totals, live betting, Bet365 has you covered. And if you do like boosts, you're going to love Bet365 because they have a 30% profit boost on your NFL same game parlay. And they have a great play, uh, a great early payout offer for the NBA. If you are betting on a team and they go up 17 points at any point in the game, you win automatically. You don't even have to sweat out the rest of the game, which is a very nice plus. Uh, so I definitely recommend using Bet365 for that promo alone, let alone all the other great features that the site has. Sign up today and choose from two bonus bets, either a $1,000 no-sweat bet or bet $5 and get $150 in bonus bets. Just head to sportscampockets.com slash bet365. That's sportscampockets.com slash bet365, or use the sign-up link in our show bio. And if you have a problem gambling, call one 800 Gambler. Welcome back, everyone, to the NBA Gambling Podcast. Just finished covering the first couple games in the Friday slate. Now it's time to move on to the next game. You have a matchup between the Heat and the Lakers. These games are usually pretty competitive and physical, which is why we have seen a low total of about 212, and the Knicks are favored by about 5.5. To go through the injury report, big reason why the Knicks are favored by 5.5, you have a decent amount of Miami guys in the injury report, and nobody on the Knicks injury report. So looking at Miami injury report right now, you have Duncan Robinson questionable. Bam and Abayo, big reason why he's questionable. And you have Tyler Hero, who's still out. As for the Knicks, you have only uh, Evan Fournier, who is doubtful, but I think he wasn't going to play anyway. No offense (laughs) to him. So that doesn't really mean anything. Uh, Bam, we know, is a big piece to this Heat team, especially with Hero being out. Do you think the Knicks should be favored by five and a half, assuming that Bam doesn't play? And B, do you want to take points with Miami anyway? Because these games tend to be very close. Yeah, it's a low-scoring game, so I always tend to lean to the dog here. Five and a half. Um, the Knicks have been like incredible ATS. Nine and nine, four and one, three, one and one at home. Um, they're they're seven and one ATS as a favorite. So they've been performing really well at home. But I do think because of the familiarity here, um, I think that the the spread is too high. I mean, I know Bam is, you know, questionable, but they've been playing well without those guys in the lineup, um, without Jimmy, without Bam. I mean, that's just usually what Miami does um, year in and year out. They've actually been really good um, ATS, 6-3-1 and one ATS on the road. They've won nine of the last ten on the road straight up. Uh, offense has been really good. Um, both teams are top six in defensive rating um, and in the bottom half in pace. The Knicks are actually 30th in um, offensive possession length, which is, you know, time it takes them to, to get a shot off. So I think we see uh, a lot of shot clock ran, um, low scoring game. The total, if you look at the last five meetings, I know it was playoff games, but um, they were three to four points lower than what this total is. So they were around like 208, 209-ish. Um, and I think this might be a little bit too high, especially with those guys being questionable here. So um, I, I like the under here, um, and I like Miami with the points, Scott. I'm trying to think if I will actually like the over or not if Bam's out because Bam is easily the best defensive player on Miami. And I am wondering if Bam's not going to play, if the Knicks might just get whatever they want offensively. The only counterpoint would be how are the Heat going to score because they don't exactly have many options. I think for this one, I am an only to the Heat. I just think it's a good spot for them to keep this game close. The Knicks, we know, have been good against the overall spread of the season, but five and a half against a team like the Heat that you definitely want to take points with rather than a lay. Miami is a favorite's brutal. As a dog, they're usually pretty good. I'll lean to Miami. 
I think I'm going to lean to the over in this game. You have seen a couple of high-scoring regular season games between these teams recently, so I do think that this is actually a total that might be a little bit too low. But I do think for this matchup, I am going to lean to the points. It's really tricky. I'm definitely not going to bet on the side or the total in this game. I think if Bam's not going to play, I probably would pivot to potentially uh, Jimmy Butler rebounds. Somebody's going to have to rebound the ball if uh, Bam's not going to play. I don't mind Randall double-double obviously, yep. which has been yep. a great prop all season long. Yep. I don't really have much else. Brunson, you could argue, might have a big game, but I do think that the Knicks in the rebounding department should have a lot of success in this game if Bam's not going to play. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head with me for uh, for Randall. I like his points and rebounds to go over with Sprinkle on his double-double uh, as well, especially if Bam is out because they don't have a lot of front-line depth. Yeah. Um, Look at Hockey's over points. Uh, he's been playing pretty well. Uh, Spolster just put him in a rotation, trusting him uh, a lot. And he's been he's been responding. Uh, he's a good defender. I mean, obviously he's a veteran player. Uh, Miami's offense has actually looked, you know, solid. 115 plus scored in three of his last four games. Um, they're second in turnover percentage defense. So if they can get in, get some turnovers, and lead to easy offense, I think they'll they'll be fine. Uh, fourth in three point percentage offense. So that's also why I like the over because the Heat offensively yeah. have actually quietly yeah. been pretty yeah. solid. Yeah, that's true. I just think that the style of play for both yeah. teams will kind of dial back to to where they usually play at. But I mean, again, I, I can see I can see where you where you're going here, especially with um, Bam being out, no defender in the middle um, of the of the. Uh, of the paint and Miami is 28th in, in rim percentage defense. But the issue is the Knicks, they don't attack the rim. They're 30th in rim percentage offense. So uh, they kind of got to pick their poison. So I think Randall could have a, a field day here, uh, especially if Bam is out. Yeah, uh, but moving on to the next game, you have a matchup between the Nuggets and the Rockets. The Nuggets are currently laying three, and the over-under is at 214.5. For the injury report, both teams are relatively healthy, but of course, Jamal Murray is still injured. Houston's missing Oladipo who I don't believe is still in the league anymore. Just I'm not, I don't think we're going to see him at any point this season. And you have the other Thompson brother who's still out. Uh, before the actual matchup here, the Nuggets are laying points on the road. They've been really, really bad on the road. ATS, so I don't exactly trust them. But this is going to be a tournament game, so Denver has a chance to completely win the group and sweep in the process. So just to ask you, uh, for this matchup, Houston's been kind of hit or miss lately, but the three losses they had in a row were against good teams, and each of the games were competitive. They bounced back against the Grizzlies last time out. Denver, though, on the road, once again, has been a complete mess, simply put. We saw them lose to Orlando in their last game. They are 7-0 at home and 3-5 and on the road. Do you want to lay three with Denver? Because I personally do not. Yeah, I don't not not right now. Um, especially with the way Houston's playing, they've Houston's covered ten straight, or I guess nine, depending on what number you you grade at um, the open or the close. Uh, they're seven and three ATS as a dog, seven and one straight up at home. Uh, the defense Udoka has came in and did a really good job defensively getting the guys to to buy in. They've held four of the last five opponents under 110 points, including Denver in a uh, in a matchup on uh, November the 12th, where. Denver closed as a four and a half point dog, a yeah, four and a half point um, favorite, and lost outright. Um, they they shot fifteen more free throws in the first meeting. Houston, that is, um, they didn't have anybody play extremely well in that matchup, which is kind of throwing me off about how they won. Because I mean, Fred Van Vliet had twenty six, but you know, Jalen Green only had nine points. He was one of thirteen. Um, not a lot of, I mean, Dylan Brooks I think had ten. So it wasn't like they had you know some outlier performance here, uh, and Denver is, you know, bottom five in pace. Um, they don't have a, a point guard. I mean, I know, you know, Reggie Jackson is is okay, but he's not Jamal Murray. I mean, obviously, but 
I just think that the point guard issues are, are going to come back to haunt him again, haunt them against uh, a Houston team that's pretty good on ball defense. Um, they're, they're struggling. Uh, Houston, Denver, that is. They're struggling. They haven't covered in five straight or seven of the last 10. They're one and seven ATS on the road. Like I think you mentioned that. Um, five and 10 ATS on the year. Um, I mean, I just their bench has been struggling. They only had eight bench points last matchup. I don't see how that changes. Um, Joker did have a humongous game, 36-21 and 11. Michael Porter Jr. had 25-10 and 10 in that last meeting. But I couldn't look anywhere but Houston. I would lean to the under as well. The total closed 216, kind of snuck under 211. Like I said, both teams pretty slow. I think Houston's defense is not getting enough credit here. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to ride with, uh, with Houston here, um, plus the points. And uh, I like the under as well. Yeah, so uh, just to actually backtrack a second, I didn't misspeak before about the actual standings of the group. I forgot that Denver did a lose to New Orleans in the last game because Jokic had like 18 assists and a triple-double and they still lost the game. Forgot about that. So technically, Denver's actually in second place in the group because of point differential as they are 14 points behind the Pelicans. Having said that, the Rockets have only played one game in the group. So they actually are, they've played two games in the group. So they actually do still have a chance to win this group in theory. So this game does matter for both teams, but I do think that once again, Denver also having to rely on point differential for the Pelicans game later is going to be a potential issue for that team to win the yeah, group. So just keep that's that true. in mind for the sake of this matchup though. I am going to link to Houston plus the three Houston already beat Denver this season in Houston. And Jokic, mm-hmm. you mentioned before, had a 36-20-10 game, and they still lost. Ridiculous. Jokic is incredible, but he's by himself out there, just simply put. Aaron Gordon has had some moments, but I don't think he's a great offensive player. You're looking at Reggie Jackson, who is past his prime, but he's a decent uh, scoring guard. He gives you really not enough facilitation at the point guard spot. Caldwell Pope's the same way. He shoots, but he's not exactly a great passer. It just feels like this team's missing. It's Robin, and they are. And Porter Jr. is a guy who never passed the ball to anybody besides <laughs> the rim. So I think that the ball uh, movement's been a bit uh, clunky at times, which makes sense. Jokic is going to go off in this game, though. So I'll take the Jokic props over in basically every capacity. But I do think that Houston at home, 7-1 and one, straight up at home this season. They've been really, really good. They already beat Denver in their home arena. They're not going to be intimidated. I like Houston plus the points, and I am an only to the under as well. I, th- I see a pretty ugly game pace-wise. You mentioned yeah. it for the Knicks game. I disagreed because Miami, once again, has been good offensively lately. But the fact that they already played once this season, and even though Jokic had a god-tier performance and the game still only landed 211, tells that this number's a bit high. I'm going to lean to the under, and I'm going to lean to Houston. Anything else yeah. you want to add for this game? No, that's it. Um, I, I think, you know, I mean, Houston is a sneaky, like, playoff team. I, I just – especially if they get a man back and – the only thing I'm worried about is their wings. Like, uh, can they win with Jabari, Tari Eason, and uh, who else do they have on the wing? Um, Are you counting like, Brooks or no? I mean, I guess, yeah. If you're <laughs> counting yeah, wings, I, in theory, Brooks counts. But yeah, yeah, I just that's all you're know. looking for is a wing. But he has, yeah, it, but he actually hasn't been, been he, yeah, he, he actually good. hasn't been bad though. Yeah, he hasn't been bad. Um, he has is has been it's not been a lot of antics. Um, at all, he's been playing well. Uh, yeah, Houston's a sneaky like play-in team that I think if they can yeah. get it right and, and get a wing in there, I would love to see them get Siakam. Love to see get get Siakam. Yeah, but I do think that if you want to look at a guy who deserves more recognition for being, I don't want to say a superstar, but a really, really good player with this team, Shingun's been fantastic. 
Like, I got to bring that up. Shangun's been incredible. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I do think that he's in line to potentially have a good game against Jokic. We'll see. Uh, Jalen Green's kind of taking a step back, which I was shocked that he was willing to defer. Maybe I just remember him and Kevin Porter Jr. chucking the ball 20-something <laughs> times a game. But I actually he do like how, that, man. I like how Jalen Green's played this season because he's been willing to take a smaller role with the offense, which a former number two pick in the draft usually is not willing to do. So I do want to give props to him. But shangun has been fantastic, and I think that he's definitely a guy you want to keep in mind moving forward. Mm-hmm. Most improved player, it's kind of Maxi's award at this point. But if you want to look for a sleeper candidate, I think Shangun's going to be in the running. Yeah, and um, I'm pretty sure it was easy for to get Jalen Green to kind of switch over because all they had to do, the analytics department had to do, was just show him, look, this is what you are when you have the ball. This is yeah. how effective you are when you don't have the ball. He's all obvious step back jumpers right. you probably not take, right. and then you'll be a better player. That's kind right. of you're obviously play. better off the ball. Like when yep. you don't, and now don't get me wrong. Obviously, he can he can create a shot and stuff like that. But it's a whole lot easier to create it when you're getting it instead of when you're getting it like you know in spots where you can score versus dribbling for you know 10, 11 seconds and then trying to hoist up a, a dumb shot. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was pretty easy. Credit to him for buying in. As a young guy, you don't see a lot of young guys yeah. buying in. To, to stuff Especially like as that. a top, so, yeah. top draft pick. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but moving on to the next game, uh, looking at a match between the Pistons and the Pacers. You have the Pacers laying nine against Detroit, who's been really, really bad. Uh, so keep that in mind. Total is massive, but it's a Pacers <laughs> game, so why wouldn't it be? Total is 245 and a half. Uh, to go through the injury report, I know it's a bit crazy, but a reminder that the Pacers and Hawks game had a total of about 252, and the game went over by about 55 points. So <laughs> keep that in mind, or 55, 57 points. So the, that game flew over. In-game anyway, total, 300 plus. 304, uh, yeah, 304 and a half. So it oh, went over okay, okay. points. That's Looking at the injury report, though, there has been some recent news about Indiana, which actually might make you consider taking the Pistons here. Uh, the Pistons, though, are going to be without Bogdanovich, Harris, and Morris. As for Indiana, you have Neesmith, uh, who's a questionable you have Nemhard is questionable. And the big news here, Halliburton is now questionable. That has been something new about, I think, 20 minutes ago it was announced. But he has a wrist sprain. He's been incredible. He's averaging 25 and 12. He's had at least 33 points in three of the last four games. I'm going to ask you, though, looking at the actual standings for this uh, group, I believe the Pacers have... Actually, they did not already automatically clinch, but they were in really, really good shape. So to look through the actual numbers here, the Pacers are undefeated. They are 3-0. and They actually clinched the group already, as far as I can tell. Uh, so I do think that well, – actually, let me look at the standings here. Yeah, they already clinched the group, so they have nothing to play for in this game, which is why Halliburton might not play. I'm going to ask you straightforward because, of course, if Halliburton's playing, I think we're definitely not going to take the Pacers minus the nine. If Halliburton does play, knowing that the Pacers don't actually have to care about this game, are you going to still lay nine? Honestly, I might. I'm not going to lie to you. Detroit's bad, man. You see, did They're you really, uh, really bad? Yeah, did you see Cade's? Uh, I, I don't know yeah, if it's a presser. Oh yeah, yeah, man, he was like he, he was straightforward. Right. I mean, at least yeah, he, he was is. willing to admit the team sucks. Right, he he is. Uh, it's a work in progress, like like he said. Um, they're actually 500 ATS on the road, which is kind of odd for a team that's lost five straight and you know two and three in that span. But their offense sucks. I mean, it's just a lot of K doing everything, which is kind of backwards because they have so many guards on the team that are supposed to be able to create. But again, it's kind of the the gift and a curse because you want the ball in K's hands. 
then again, you got those other guards who can't really set up anybody. Uh, but yeah, I would lean to Indiana regardless of if um, Halliburton played. They have one of the deeper benches in in the NBA. Like they can probably play like 11, 12 guys, to be honest with you. Uh, we haven't even seen their first round pick play because they're just so deep uh, in the front court. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to go into the, the, the numbers for the overs. I mean, 10 straight overs. I mean, only one game has, has went under the top five in offensive rating, bottom three in defensive rating. So it's going to be a high volatile game. I, I would still lay it with Indiana um, with or without Holly uh, Burton. Kind of wait to see. I think it, there's, it's right in the middle of where it's going to be. I think if he's ruled in, it'll probably stay, you know, nine, nine and a half. If he's ruled out, I, I mean, what do you think? Seven, six and a half, seven? Uh, probably. If you told me Halliburton, though, was worth five points, I wouldn't stop you. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. But the thing is, they're playing Detroit. So, I mean, you know, how much how much can you really put forward in, in that? But, yeah, I, I agree with you, though. But I, I would think it would close around, if he doesn't play, I would think it would close around like six, five and a half, six. All right. Uh, so, for me, simply put, I think based on the spot and the lack of motivation for both teams in theory, because Detroit's been eliminated – from both the group and probably playoff contention at this point. I'm going to go with Detroit, plus the nine. I think it's too many points. Indiana, once again, might be without Halliburton, and you might be wondering, well, why would they choose this game to not play him? It's because this game doesn't mean anything for the group because they already clinched it. So I do think that Indiana is most likely going to either sit Halliburton or give him a minute restriction. So because of that, Halliburton does everything for this team. And I do question the backup point guards in comparison, obviously, to Halliburton. The Pistons are really, really bad, but they are very good at sneaking through the back door. We have seen it a couple of times, even in this event, as they ended up sneaking to cover against Philly, for example. But I do think that looking at this overall matchup, they've been a mess. They did only lose to Denver by four, but a reminder, Jokic got ejected in the first half, so that really doesn't mean anything. They gave up 142 on the road to Toronto. Hung around against Cleveland, though, did lose by eight. Lost by six at home to Atlanta. They've been somewhat close, but the main issue for Indiana, and the main reason why I can't lay nine, I can't lay nine of the team that refuses to guard anybody. I just can't do it. I had Toronto team total over against Indiana last game. I took an all-team total with Toronto, and that flew over by about 10 points. So I can't trust Indiana to guard anyone. The total's interesting because if Halliburton doesn't play, I have a hard time of actually uh, liking the over in this game because Halliburton, once again, does everything for this offense. I'm going to lean to the Pistons. I'm hoping for some pride that they just show up and try to leave with something. Denzel, I'm leaving here with something. They try to win (laughs) one game. But I guess the question that I have for you, though, is if Halliburton's out, is Cade the best player on the court? Yeah. 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 I'll take the best player in his team plus nine. Yeah, he is. So yeah, K- there you go. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a K guy, so I'm I'm kind of I'm probably biased, but yeah, Kate is Kate is awesome, man. He's fuck he's he's awesome. Yeah, I think he's really good. But I think the point is with Indiana missing Halliburton, I'm assuming we're in agreement since the game doesn't mean anything. There's probably greater than a fifty percent chance Halliburton sits. Yeah, or like you said, plays you know short amount of minutes. So if we know that the line's potentially going to move downward by several points, yeah, I, I go ahead and grab the Pistons now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, that's why I would I would wait to see. Um, even though I like the Pacers uh, with or without them, I I just wait to see if we can get a better number. I think I'm going to lean under in this game because I don't think Halliburton's going to play it, but I like Pistons team total over. Man, I can't. I'm, it's I'm disgusting. Not I know it but is. You want to know? Can, I, I bet I bet the under in in the in the uh, in the Indiana Atlanta game two fifty and a half. I bet it under. on principle. 
Yeah, really, I did. I mean, I'm just like, it's it's no, I'm like, bro, it's no way that they like on the road. I think I think Atlanta was on a back to back as well. That's what I was thinking. Like, no, Atlanta, Atlanta was, was on a back to back the game yeah. after, and oh, the okay, second the game, game okay. went okay. to overtime and still okay. landed like two ninety against the Nets. Okay, yeah, I just, I mean, it's just it, that was just too high. I thought, but obviously, nothing is too high for. I think Moon and I looked at team. that game and like we're like, oh yeah, we're gonna ladder this total to like two seventy five. <laughs> I mean, like we just thought it was going to be an absolute, and they were getting blown out, and it was. They were getting blown out. Um, the Pacers were. I think Atlanta was. Atlanta, was Atlanta like not very 20. good, but Indiana yeah. came back and they won. Yes, but, but the shot making was. Now I'll give credit to. It, it wasn't lack of defense. Like at the end of that game, like towards the end of the game, they were really playing defense, and those guys were just hitting like Buddy crazy Hill made shots. Every shot down the stretch. Yeah, they were hitting crazy shots like down the yep. stretch. But either way, for this one, I'm going to lean to the Pistons. I want nothing to do with the Pacers, especially with Halliburton now being the injury report. So I'm going to lean to Detroit, and I'm going to hold my nose and lean to the under. But I think I actually am tempted by a Detroit team total over because the Pacers, with or without Halliburton, can't guard anybody. But from what I remember, the one game that Halliburton, I think, missed on the top of my head, didn't they give up like 155 to Boston in the one game that Halliburton missed? I mean, they probably would, they probably would have gave up 155 with him. That's anyways, what I'm saying. So. But they yeah. they lost the game by like 50 points. Like I yeah. I I got to lean to the Pistons in this spot. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. But, I mean, I, I feel you. I feel you. I, I still like Indiana. I just think Indiana's bench. Like if you look at that bench, they're really they got a really good bench. Really yeah. good bench. They got solid guys. Toppin's been pretty good for that team as an energy yeah. guy. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, moving on to the next game. Uh, looking at a match. Oh, by the way, I'm obviously going to be on Asar rebounds, and I'll be on Cade points and assists. Cade double double feels pretty good tonight with the amount of points they're going to score, and the ball's always in his hands. So mm-hmm. I think Cade's going to have a massive game. Anyway, I'm uh, moving on to the next game. You have a matchup, a fun one between the Kings and the Timberwolves. Timberwolves laying four at home. The over under is around two twenty nine and a half. Injury report has a couple of ancillary pieces, but the main guys should be playing. You have Ellis, who's going to be out for Sacramento, along with Len and Keegan Murray. I forgot Alex Len was still in the league. Uh, looking <laughs> at Minnesota, you have Clark, who's going to be out. Shout out to him, though, at UCLA. Uh, you have McDaniels, who's out, who's going to be out for a couple of weeks. And you have McLaughlin, who is out. Uh, Minnesota, we saw, have a nice, uh, pretty, honestly, they've been really good. I was going to say winning streak. But the entire season has been a winning streak because they're 11 and three, and they're currently in possession of the one seed in the Western Conference. Did beat Philly in the last game, but Embiid didn't play, so that definitely helped things out. But they were on a winning streak, lost to Phoenix, and started another three-game winning streak. The Kings, I don't want to say got buried by the Pelicans, but the Pelicans kind of took them to school there as they won both games. games. They were up by 20 in basically both games. Kings made a nice comeback in the second game, fell short as they lost that one by five. To ask you, though, for this matchup, the Kings are 4-5 and five straight up on the road. The Timberwolves are 7-0 and oh straight up at home. Are you fading the Timberwolves at home? Because I don't think I can. Um, I, I'm going to lean to Sacramento um, strictly because they don't have the defenders. Uh, they, they don't have, um, you, like you said, McLaughlin is a decent on-ball defender. McDaniels is probably He's one of the better. also a bench guy, but yes. Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, McDaniel's obviously one of the better on-ball defenders in the in the um, in the league. If you think uh, Minnesota, by the way, is a good defensive team now, wait until Clark comes back from injury because oh, he's, uh, he's like Tybal Jr. That's going to yeah. be an insane addition. Yeah, but, but he's he's better offensively than Tybal. Yeah, yeah, yes, I, yeah. I, I, agree, I agree with you one hundred percent. This is one thing that we all were were high on uh, going into the season uh, yeah. at the end of the offseason podcast. So that's one. This is one team we got right in Minnesota. You mentioned it. Um, seven. This seven and zero ATS at home as well. 
Yep. Um, they've held three of the last five opponents under 105 points. Now, that's that's probably not going to happen with Sacramento. Uh, Sacramento's 125 plus in three of the last five. So something's got to give here. Um, I do think Sacramento can bounce back off those back-to-back losses. Um, I thought New Orleans matched up a lot better with them than, than Minnesota does. The problem is they don't have a lot of rim protection. So I think Gobert and Cat should have to feast inside. Now, if they can just trade threes for twos, um, which I think Sacramento can, uh, I think they'll be in this game. Um, Minnesota's obviously, you know, elite defensively. They're first in defensive rating. It's weird because they're first in defensive rating, but they can't defend the three. They're 30th in three-point percentage defense. Um, but, I mean, Sacramento can't shoot threes either. Uh, they don't shoot a lot of threes. They shoot a lot of mid-range jumpers, which is something that Minnesota's defense struggles with again. They're 29th in mid-range percentage. So I think we see a lot of, you know, pick and rolls with De'Aaron Fox and, and Sabonis. I think Sabonis, I mean, I think uh, Fox has a really, really good game. If you can ladder him up to, you know, 30-plus points, I think he has a, a really big game, especially with McDaniels being out. I don't think they're going to have a primary defender good enough to guard or contain because nobody can really guard um, any of these guys. But, yeah, so I, I like Sacramento here, man. Um, if they can just keep the paint points down a little and hit some threes, uh, I think they'll I think they'll be fine. Uh, but I do think Minnesota is really, really tough at home. Um, I'll lean to Sacramento coming up those back-to-back losses. I'm going to lean to Minnesota. When you're undefeated at home, you've earned my respect, and I'll keep yeah, backing you until you yeah. don't cover. So I'll that's go with fair. Minnesota. Uh, to go through Sabonis' numbers, actually, against Gobert, he's been really good lately, which might surprise you, but you're looking at Sabonis' last couple games against Gobert, 24-10, and 24-14, and 17-13, and 23-10. and 10. So he's actually been very solid against Gobert. So Sabonis might be in line for a good game. I have noticed, though, the assists for Sabonis have not been good against Gobert. He's had less than six assists in each of the last five head-to-head meetings. Coincidence, maybe, but I wanted to mention that. But I think that Minnesota just has a little bit too much defense. Edwards is going to get to whatever spot he wants to. And I do think that Cat's a pretty big matchup problem for this Kings team as well. So I'm going to lean to Minnesota. Once again, if you're undefeated at home, in order to be the champion, you got to beat the champion. And Minnesota being 7-0 at home, it's too good of a record for me to pass on. So I'll go with Minnesota minus the four. For the total, I'm kind of on the fence. I think I am an only to the over because the Kings pace-wise are just so mm-hmm. crazy that I kind of have to consider it. So I'm yeah. an only to the over, but I am an only to Minnesota. You have any thoughts on the total? Yeah, I'm kind of torn between the total. I mean, at, at, one, point, at one point, I think if the Kings can control the pace and get up and down, I think Minnesota doesn't mind running. They just that's just not what they prefer to do. I think they're fine when when they can run in transition. I just think that they're they're better off kind of you know half half speed. Um, and I think the Kings have pretty much controlled the pace of every game that they play. Um, so I guess I would lean over with you. Um, it's nothing. I, I'm I can see it going under. Like I can completely see Minnesota's defense coming up big and you know not allowing De'Aaron Fox or Sabonis to get to the rim. But if the Kings are shooting threes, Murray. Um, uh, Kevin Herter, um, Harrison Barnes, they can make some threes because Timberwolves struggle defending their three. I think we might can see some points here. So, uh, yeah, I'm leaning to the over. Nothing nothing strong, though. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see, you know, 105, you know, 110 type of game. Yeah, uh, same here, but I'm, I'm going to lean to the over. I think you're going to see a bit more points, but I'm not going to bet the total in this game. Anyway, we got three games left on the card, but before getting to any of that, do want to talk to you about some of our other guys, or I should say companies that are responsible for the show. Got to talk to you about Underdog Fantasy because they have a way to play alongside your favorite fantasy players all season long. NFL, NBA, NHL, college basketball, and college football. Simply pick higher or lower on your favorite players' fantasy stats and cash in. Watch along, make your picks, and maybe make a little money over 
over at Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. And a reminder, when you sign up with the promo code SGPN, Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. It's Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets. Win bigger by betting smarter this NFL season with Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NFL, NBA, MLB, and soccer bet with historical stats and data. Enter any parlay idea into Hall of Fame Bets' revolutionary power, a parlay optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value. Stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent, data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame Bets average or visit hofbets.com and use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. Welcome back, everyone, to the NBA Gambling Podcast here with Delonte, breaking down the Friday NBA slate. Did most of the games. We got three games left, though, so let's get into it. And for the first game, it is going to be somewhat of a rematch because they faced off, I think it was earlier this past week or last week. Massive total, and you have one of the worst teams in the league against one of the better teams in the league. Uh, you have the Bucks hosting the Wizards. The Bucks are laying 13. Over-under of 245 and a half. For the actual standings, by the way, you can argue this game doesn't actually mean much to the Bucs because they are tied with Miami in the first place spot in Group B. But the final game of the group stage is between Miami and Milwaukee. So this game might, might not actually matter at all. So keep that in mind. Either way, point is the injury report. Milwaukee is pretty healthy. Giannis was on the injury report, but a curl, he's currently being listed as probable. So expect him to suit up as he was battling an illness. Besides that, Jay Crowder is not playing... He hasn't been relevant in years. Shout out to the, <laughs> what was it, four, four second round picks, five second round picks? The Bucks Something game. Something like that. I think it was five. I think he I think started five. The, the second round five, the five second round picks for. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so shout out to those second round picks. But anyway, uh, Washington's going to be without Rollins and without Wright. But we know the Wizards are atrocious. They did face off a couple of uh, games ago, and we saw Milwaukee score 140 and change. I had the Bucks covering that game. Was not easy, but they eventually won that game by double digits. It's 13 points at home. Wizards have already been eliminated from basically everything. I'm going to ask you right now, do you think the Wizards actually score enough to compete? Because they're definitely not going to stop this team. Uh, do they score enough to compete? No. Do they score enough to go over the total? Yes, I think so. Um, I, I think I, I like the total a whole lot. Like you mentioned, Bucks, they won by 13 as a nine and a half point favorite um, in Washington a few days ago. They were ago. down one by like with like nine minutes. Yeah, to they go, were. Though. They were. And they then they went on a they went on a crazy run. Um six of the last ten have went over for both teams. Both teams are top five in pace. Um I mean Poole actually had a good game against um against Milwaukee. You know, it's a good game based on how he did it earlier in the year. He scored thirty yeah. points on twenty six shots. Yeah, but Giannis was a freak train, forty two and thirteen. Um I mean, Milwaukee and covered eight, five. I think, I think yeah. he was two assists away from a triple double too. Oh, was he? Oh, I, I just, oh no, I had four. I had thirteen in my um in my notes, but yeah, um, Milwaukee's covered five straight, hundred twenty five plus in four of the last five games. They have been struggling ATS at home, but again, they play better competition than what Washington is. Um, they played four or five on the road, so they're returning home. Uh, I think it's a good spot, big number, but I wouldn't look anywhere but with Milwaukee. If you want to bet that, if you don't want to bet the the spread. Look at the Milwaukee team total to go over. I think that's a really, I think that's a really good play. Um, to, yeah, I mean Washington. I mean they lost nine of ten straight up, four and five ATS. They're actually five and three ATS on the road. Um, 
They're still not good. There's been a lot of backdoor covers in the fourth quarter, <laughs> yeah. but it's still. I mean, Milwaukee got a crazy backdoor cover. I was on Boston and had uh, I laid like four and no, I laid five with Boston. Hey, they were down twenty and, and they lost by three. And Dame, right, and Dame hits that three at the end, like meaningless. Yeah. Well, not meaningless, but he also missed yeah. the dunk, which would have made the game yeah. extremely competitive. Yeah, uh, but yeah. that happened too. Yeah. So, but. um, yeah, I, I look at the over. Uh, I would lean to the Milwaukee side, but I love the the Milwaukee team total to go over. Love it. Yeah, I'm on the over, simply put. I'm not going to touch the side. 13's a lot for a Milwaukee yeah, team that can't guard anybody either. Yeah. Uh, I think they're probably going to cover, but I, I can't bother. Uh, my Milwaukee team total is going to be a play that I have to like. Uh, Giannis potentially going for 40 again. Either way, give me the over in this game. And the meeting that they had earlier this season, which did end up taking place on the 20th, so about four days ago, can I interest you in 271 points? Yeah, I'm on the over. Like <laughs> I, I, I can't. Me too. <laughs> these teams don't guard anybody, and Milwaukee. Right. Are, are a reason why I view them being more pretender than contender for a title this season is because the defense is that bad, and they're not going to be able to get by. So yeah. they were able to keep the game somewhat close at the end against Boston. They were getting run out of the gym, down 20 in that game. They can't stop anybody, and Washington did score 129 in that game. And they're terrible at home anyway. They're terrible everywhere. So the fact that they were able to score 129 tells that this number is a little bit low. I'm not going to view it the same way as the Pacers and Hawks game, but it's similar because you expect both teams or each team to kind of cruise into at least 115-120. Milwaukee might cruise into 140 in this game. So I'm on the over. I'm not going to touch the side, but give me a bunch of points. Give me Giannis over. Can I get the over on pool shot attempts? Because he might take 40 shots in this game. <laughs> but I think looking at this actual spot, I think Lord's in line for a big game too. I don't mind the double-double. I know Malik Beasley had a really good game against Washington last yeah. time out. Yeah. So I think he might his threes might be worth a look. But yeah. Giannis triple-double, I think he's very live in this game. Giannis 35-plus points is pretty live in this game. The Wizards can't stop anybody in the paint. So I think Giannis is in line to kill this team again. But give me the over. I see a ton of points. Yeah, I like um, props-wise. I like Bilal Koulibaly over 7.5 points. Uh, he had 12 in the last meeting. He actually had 10-plus in six of his last 10 games. Uh, he's getting a little bit more comfortable um, in, in that system. I think he'll be able to take over some of the ball handling duties whenever Taj Jones is uh, is out of the game. So I do like him over 7.5 points. Um, you mentioned Beasley. I'm going to go with his threes. Of course, and um, who else do I like? Uh, no, I think that was it. Yeah, that was it. All right. Uh, moving on to the next game, you have a matchup between the Spurs and the Warriors. Warriors falling off a cliff, so this is the right get-right spot if you had to pick one. But looking at the actual spread here, uh, Warriors are minus ten. Over/under is around two thirty-four and a half. As for the actual injury report, the Spurs are fully healthy, so. Congrats. Oh, Vassell's, be- Vassell's back? Vassell came back a game or two ago, oh, okay. Uh, okay. which is why maybe they covered against the Clippers. That's what Terrell will tell you. Congrats, though, to the Spurs for being healthy. Your team still sucks, but at least nobody's injured. And as for Golden State, Gary Payton is questionable at this point in time, and Draymond is still suspended. Golden State has fallen off of a cliff. They are 7-9. and nine. They are really bad at home as well. I believe they are 2-6 and six straight up at home. But the question is going to be a simple one. Do you actually trust the Spurs to be competitive against anybody on the road? Because recently on the road, they have been in blowout after blowout, and to read (laughs) off the actual scores recently, they had a decent amount of home games in a row. Last couple of road games, they played the Thunder on national TV, lost by 36. 
Played the Knicks, lost by 21. Played the Pacers, lost by 41 points. <laughs> the last three road games, they have lost by at least 21 points. Do you think they'll actually keep this game close? Yeah, man, I do. I like the Spurs. Uh, I like them here. Uh, I like them. I mean, Golden State shouldn't be laying this big of a number. I don't care who they're, who they're playing. I mean, they, they have played the number one strength of schedule um, so far if you look at certain metrics. The thing that San Antonio is going to have to hang their hat on here is they're going to have to constantly attack the rim. Um, Golden State doesn't have a lot of rim protection, the 30th in rim percentage defense. Uh, they're 0-7-1 ATS at home, 2-6 and six straight up. 0-5 ATS in the last five, depending on what number you got in the T-Wolves game. They've lost four or five. Now, it is a get-right spot, uh, I guess, technically. But, again, I mean, 10 and a half is a lot of points. I, I see 10 to... mostly. I even see oh, okay. 9 and a half. Okay. So the line but, has dropped a little bit. Yeah, so, I mean, if you could get double digits, I, I would lean there on 9 and a half. But I, I'm, it's a bit for me at, at 10. Um I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the Spurs are good because they're not, obviously. Um, they failed to cover in eight of the last 10. They were allowing 120 plus in four of the last five, and you mentioned their, their struggles on the road. But I mean, Golden State. I mean, outside of Curry, I mean, it's it's just not much there. They don't have. An, I don't think they have enough to pull away. Now Curry can absolutely go nuclear and you know have 50 or whatever the case may be, and they could you know win by by 20. But I think the Spurs keep it competitive here, man. I think we see a competitive game. I think Wimby, Zach Collins, um, and, and company dominate on the inside. Uh, if they can hit some outside shots, Vassell being back actually helps. I didn't know he was he was back. Uh, obviously, just shows you how much Spurs basketball I watch. But um, yeah, I, I like I like the Spurs here, man. Anything double digits, give me the Spurs. Yeah. So for me, Golden State was a team that I had a pretty good read on uh, for most of the season. During the offseason, I believe I leaned to their under because I wasn't a fan of what they did during the offseason. They really didn't do anything. Then I watched them play their first game of the season. Which was, I remember they played. Played Denver in the first game, I think. It was either Denver or Phoenix. Who'd they play in the first game? It was Phoenix, I think. Yep. Yeah. Because uh, the Lakers played the Nuggets. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure yeah, that it, yeah, yeah, pretty sure it was true. Phoenix. I yeah, watched them true. play the first game against Phoenix, and I immediately eliminated them from title contention after one game. And I have no regrets because I thought that going into that season, this season, they had no score besides Curry. And that was the issue in the playoffs last year. Clay has been more tolerable lately. I still don't trust them, but you're looking at Curry and who else is on that roster, and the main reason why they got eliminated against the Lakers, nobody else on the entire team could shoot, and they lost DiVincenzo, and they didn't do anything during the offseason to fix anything. So that's why I eliminated them early. Chris Paul is a good facilitator. That's basically it. Uh, he can't really score at this point in his career. So scoring depth's an issue. I'm going to lean Golden State, though, in this game. San Antonio is so bad, man. Like, I, I keep talking about <laughs> it every time I do a show. The amount of truly atrocious teams in the league is something to behold because the Wizards, the Trailblazers, the Spurs, the Hornets, I think, are a little bit better than these teams, but they're still up there. And I might be forgetting a team. There are a lot of really bad teams in the league. And I think that the Spurs are a laughing stock. And the main issue that I have so far with Wemby in his career, he takes too many jump shots. Just simply put, you're 7-4. Like, I understand that you can dribble and you can shoot. You look at his international numbers, he was actually a pretty abysmal three-point shooter. I think he was around, like, 28%, and he's still jacking up jumpers. <laughs> Dude, you're 7-4. Go to the rim. If you just <laughs> rim run blindly, you walk into 20-10 and 10 every game. Like, just run to the rim. That's all you have to do. So I hope Wemby starts making that pivot 
where he takes less jumpers and he tries to get to the rim more. But still, the Spurs as a, as a road team, I can't back. Just simply put, you lose three straight games by 20-plus points. Golden State needs a get-right spot. This feels like it to me. I think Curry drops 40 in this game. I think Clay might have a good game as well. Wiggins is so bad, too. I, I mean, it, it's been a mess uh, for this team. But I'm going to lean Golden State. I think they'll find a way to get the, to get it done at home. Might not be the easiest cover, but I think they win this game by at least 15. I'm going to lean Golden State. I do like the over in this game. I see a lot of points. Simply put, I think Golden State's defense is not amazing. Offensively, I think they should be able to do whatever they want against San Antonio. Give me the over in this game. You have any thoughts on the total? Yeah, love the over. Um, I, I think the Spurs are going to have to run. They're top three in pace, bottom <laughs> bottom three in defensive rating. So uh, yep. a lot of a lot of points. And I think in a high volatile game, I mean, I'm just hoping they can stay, they can stick around and, and keep it within you know 14, 15, and then Kerr is like, all right, pull the starters out, and then you know they they go on a seven or eight zero run in the game. So yeah, I, I like I like the Spurs here, man. I, I really do. I think they're I think their inside presence can be able to give Golden State some problems and. Um, if Vassell and Johnson can hit some shots, uh, I think that adds a little bit more uh, dynamic to the matchup. I think what makes the Golden State struggles this season more fascinating is because of the fact that in previous years, the starting five was elite every year and the bench was terrible. This year is the opposite. The bench is actually really good with Chris Paul. The issue is the starting lineup. Part of it is because Draymond got suspended recently, but still mm-hmm. the starting five this year has really not been good. In fact, it's been disastrous at times because uh, Draymond and Wiggins are giving them close to zero offensively, as well as Looney. So they have three guys on the on the start in the starting lineup who have given them nothing offensively, and that's a big reason why the starting lineup has been outscored a lot more than what we've seen in previous years for about a decade. But I wanted to mention that the bench is actually pretty good, and that is why I think Golden State can cover. The starting lineup, though, needs some tweaking. And I think we can agree on this. Golden State, at some point, I know that Clay's probably going to be in his final year with this, te- with this team. I'd be shocked if they brought him back based on what contract he thinks he deserves in his head. They got to make a trade, right? I mean, this team that they're yeah, they got to do right now is a playing yeah. team. Yeah, they, they they're not they're not good enough to to be anything, especially in the West. They're they're just not good enough. I mean, Steph is literally doing everything. I think at one point in the season, Steph was the only player to score twenty plus points. I think that just ended when Wiggins had a big game the other night. Clay had uh, twenty the other day, but yes, he was the only player for about the first yeah. month and change to drop right. twenty plus. Points. That's that's fucking ridiculous. That's, that's ridiculous. And yeah. it's so bad. It's it's so bad that. Kerr is actually playing rookies. Pajimski and Trace Jackson Davis are actually play, like playing decent minutes. So that's how bad it is. I, I Kerr, like Kerr doesn't play rookies. Pode's good. Pode can play. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Pode's good. Yeah, he can play. He can play. He can. He's a uh, he's a good defender. Um, he can rebound the ball extremely well. I think um, he only played because Draymond and Clay got ejected two minutes into the Minnesota game, and then they realized, wait a second, this guy's actually not that bad. Yeah, yeah, he's not bad. He, he's not bad at all. Yeah, uh, I don't think Trace is is a really good. He could play really good with the starters, especially with Steph. Trace is a weird player because he's undersized as center, yeah. but he can't shoot. So yeah. it's kind of like a weird spot where he's trying to be uh, an athletic tweener. Yeah, but he doesn't wrong, have much offensive talent from a shooting yeah. perspective. Yeah, I like him in team, Indiana. Great yeah, athlete. Yeah, wrong team to be be on if you can't shoot. <laughs> Kinda, but still. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I'm going to lean Golden State in the over. I know we definitely like the over as our favorite point. Yeah. But moving yeah. on to the final game of the card, you have a fun one between the Pelicans and the Clippers. Clippers are laying five at home. Over-under is 226. For the injury report, the Pelicans are still without McCollum. 
Uh, they're without Murphy and Matt Ryan is still not playing both basketball and football as he's injured. <laughs> uh, looking at the actual injury report for the Clippers, Norman Powell is questionable, so keep an eye out for him. Plumley and Boston are still out. The Clippers have played better ever since Westbrook did get moved to the bench to go through the standings in this group. The Clippers have already been eliminated from actually winning the group. They are in last place, tied with Dallas. As for New Orleans, first place in the group. And they did end up beating the Nuggets. Now, they did lose to the Rockets, so there is a chance that maybe you get a three-way tie here. But if the Pelicans win this game, they officially uh, officially clinch the group. So to start off with the spread... Pelicans have been good lately, had a nice uh, two straight wins against the Kings. The Clippers, though, have been better ever since Westbrook did get moved to the bench. They ended up beating the Rockets at home. Nice win there and ended up beating the Spurs. Didn't cover. That doesn't mean anything the last two games. They were against one of the worst teams in the league. Do you think the Clippers are fixed or do you think that the Spurs are just that bad? It's a great record-padding resume. Um, uh, I don't think they're fixed at all. Uh, And... I would agree with the latter of what you said. I mean, we just went over about the the Spurs, and they got they try to blow that game actually. Um, yeah, at the end they try to blow it, but yeah, I don't think I don't think they're fixed at all. It's going to take. It's Please take don't a, boo Kawhi Leonard, by the way. <laughs> right, it's not right. what we do here. Right, uh, just taking away from the fan experience, Pop. Come on, um, but yeah, I just think that it's going to take the Clippers at least until the All Star break um, to to get things back flowing how, how they really want it. Um, both of these teams top ten in free throw rate, so that, I would think that that lends to go to an over. Um, New Orleans have covered five straight all at home, all against solid competition. Might I add, they're um, seven three and one as a dog. Top ten in defensive rating. The only thing about New Orleans is their home and road splits are like drastic. They don't play extremely well on the road. Have you ever listened to uh, or heard or watched the game when New Orleans like their home broadcast? They got they got like a top five home broadcast oh, team. Yeah, they have a incredible. But uh yeah, I mean simple simple put for me. I mean, I like the Clippers here. I just think that New Orleans is just so different on the road. Um they'll be able to withstand they have the bodies the Clippers do to throw at Ingram to kind of throw them off. I mean, they have Kawhi, they have uh, obviously Paul George to really match up with Ingram. And if you take Ingram away, I think that kind of limits what New Orleans can do on an offensive standpoint. Uh they don't have a point guard, so I think that you know, Alvarado's coming back, but he's not really they, – they need a point guard. CJ not being there kind of helps. And he's not really a point guard. I think we've been saying this for, like, the past two years. They got to get an actual, like, floor general who can control things. Um, CJ McCollum is a two-guard. He's playing point guard. Um, so, I think the Clippers are in a good spot here. They're 3-2 and two ATS at home, top 10 in defensive rating. I think they come out, have a big night, uh, and, and win this game by double digits. Yeah. Uh, for me, I am going to go with the over as my favorite play. Uh, because I do think that with both teams, kind of look at the roster and how they construct or orchestrate their offenses, they kind of excel in what areas the defense, the opposing defense struggles with. Because they're looking at the Clippers, they picked up Tice, who's actually been pretty good as a backup center for this team. Zubak has been kind of a mess this season, and the Pelicans want to do do everything in the paint because they have Zion and Ingram, and they like to attack the rim. So I think that they're going to be able to score. They get to the foul line a lot as well. The Pelicans, though, on the perimeter are not that great defensively. I think Daniels is a really good defensive player. Herb Jones is still solid, obviously, but I do think that this overall uh, just backcourt defense has not been amazing up to this point. 
So I think the Clippers can get mismatches with Kawhi and Paul George, etc. So I do think that you're looking at both teams having success offensively because the other team is going to have an issue at combating what the other team wants to do. So I'm going to go with the over in this game. I'm really torn on the side because I want to lean Pelicans, but they've really not been great on the road. They also haven't played a road game in a while, which could coincide with the recent winning streak. Because New Orleans, if you're looking at the recent results, have won four of the last five. Every game was at home. And to go through the road games, Mm -hmm. they've lost uh, three straight road games. Lost to Houston by three, lost to Minnesota by 21, and lost to Denver by 18. To be fair to that, uh, to a couple of those games, they were missing half their team. But still, I think I'm going to lean Clippers. I like the over, though, is my favorite play. I just see a lot of points in this game. Uh, but anything else you want to add for this game? No, that's it. I will look at Ingram under points. All right, cool. Uh, so anyway, that's going to wrap it up for actual game previews. And now it's time for the lock and dog picks. Delonte, since you are back on the show, I'm going to let you go first. All right, man. So I'm trying to figure out if I want to go um, with a player prop or no, nah, I'm going to give a player prop out in the, um, in the short today. So yeah, so for my lock, Give me the uh, – I'm trying to figure out a game we both liked that I can just go on. Um, give me Sacramento uh, plus the – what is it, four? Uh, yes, I believe it is four. Yeah, give me give me Sacramento plus the four. I think they can control the pace here. Um, the Minnesota is obviously really good at home. And now that I think about it, it's actually a game we disagreed on, but whatever. Uh, yeah, I think Sacramento control the pace. I think they bounce back. If they can get the threes to fall – um, and stretch out the Minnesota defense uh, to where Gobert and, and Towns can't dominate the paint. I think they'll be fine here. So I like Sacramento to get it done on the road. Uh, I would sprinkle on the money line as well for them. Um, for the dog, let me go Let me go to Houston, man. I'm going to Houston. I think that Denver is struggling right now. Like you mentioned, they are somewhat wrapped up, if I'm not mistaken, right, with the, with the group play? It's, they somewhat got it wrapped up. Which I team? think the, the um, Denver. Uh, Denver is currently not in control of their own destiny. Okay. So, yeah. They're I, I like Houston. first place. The, Pel- the okay. Pelicans are ahead of them. Okay, cool. That's cool. So, I, I like Houston here still. Um, they've covered in, like, literally 10 straight games. Um, uh, they had success against this Denver team. The only issue that I would have is that Denver's coming in a little bit ticked off after blowing that game against Orlando. Orlando they've similar been ticked numbers. off for a week. They still can't win on the road. Yeah, that's true. That, that's that's another reason why I, why I liked it, like the game. I think the point guard struggles are going to allow Van Vliet and Jalen Green to have a big night. So, give me um, Houston. I think it's plus uh, what, 140? 135, 140. I think this might be the best I can get. Let me see. Uh, um, Houston is plus 130. Yeah, plus 130 on the money line. All right. Uh, so for me, for my lock on the show, I definitely want something with the Bucks game. Yeah. The question is, do I want the team total? Do I want Giannis <laughs> over in points? Or do I want the full game over in this game? You know Parlay what? All three. <laughs> uh, you definitely can. It's going to be very, very correlated, so you're not going to get a great price on it. But still, let me just quickly see what Giannis points actually is. It's got to be like 30 and change, if I had to um, guess. Uh, it's 30 and a half, which I think he should get. But I guess the question is, do I want to take him? Or do I think he can have a massive triple-double game? So I guess that's kind of the, tr- the question here. Uh, looking at his numbers against Washington, though, he has gone over in three of the last five but I think I'm just going to play this one relatively safe in a way. I'm going to go with the over in this game 
at 245 and a half. Sorry. I'm going to, I have to do it. Like they just faced off four days ago. Game landed in the 270s. Milwaukee's going to get whatever it wants. Defensively, Milwaukee's a train wreck as well. So I do think you're going to see some points here. The Wizards are also one of the fastest paced teams in the league. So even though they are awful defensively, they still can score because they try to run as much as possible. So I do think looking at this overall spot, I like the over. Milwaukee defensively, though, gave up 119 to Boston. Boston kind of took their foot off the gas in that game, though. Gave up 129 to Washington. Gave up 125 to Dallas. This defense is really not great at all. I think Milwaukee's probably going to score north of 130 in this game, which should help out the total. They might score 140 again. So for me, I'm going to go with the over at 245 and a half as my lock. For my dog, give me what I did at the last couple episodes, which is taking whoever's playing against the Pacers team total over, and I'll go with an alt there with the Pistons. For this one, I wonder what number I actually want because the Pistons scare the crap out of me offensively. <laughs> but I think for this one, I'm going to go with what's worked so far. Give me the Pistons team total over 122.5 at plus 170. It's very dangerous because this team offensively is not very good, but the Pacers defensively are insanely bad. I did it with Toronto. They cruised over and got to 130 and change. The game doesn't mean anything for the Pacers. They might be even less focused offensively than they were in previous games. Give me the Pistons team total over, or all team total over, at 122.5 at plus 170. That's going to wrap it up for this episode, though. Find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. Uh, Delonte, let the people know where they can find you. Yeah, I'm on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, uh, XX. L-O-N-T-E-X-X at, um, that's my app. So yeah, I'll be there. Um, yeah, good to be back, man. And we did this in under an hour and 20. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, but I actually just want to quickly check one thing here. Uh, cause I, the more I think about it though, the, 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 uh, Pistons team total over does kind of scare me. Uh, let me just quickly <laughs> see if there's anything that I can find, uh, on Kate in particular, because the only pivot I can make is really a double, double for a dog, but I want to see if they even have double, double listed. Go triple, double. Why not? He's going to be doing it all. Uh, you know what? It actually is a bigger price. I'll give out a bonus dog for that Pistons game. K double doubles plus 280. Yeah, I like that. Give me the 280 on yeah. the double double. So yeah. once again, to recap the picks, though, you have the Kings. Uh, yeah, Kings plus four for my lock. Plus four. Yeah, and, and your Houston. dog was Houston. Yep, plus right? 130. Yep. Okay. And for me, I gave it a bonus play, but my lock's going to be the over 245 and a half in that Wizards and Bucks game. And my dogs will be the Pistons all team total over 122 and a half at plus 170. And I'm going to throw in K double double at plus 280. But anyway, that's going to do it for this episode. Hope all of you had a nice holiday. Happy Black, uh, Black Friday. We're back once again for Cyber Monday. But until then, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone. Basketball, give me, give me, give me the ball because I'm gonna go get it. Basketball, give me, give me, give me.